we just read, why, and the title, Why the Church Must Learn to Do the Spiritual Limbo. Back in the day and down the way, in the old neighborhood, a summer could not pass by on our block without us having the limbo parade. Crystal, do you remember the limbo parade? Back in the day down the way, uh, an official summer could not be over until we had our limbo parade. On our limbo parade, the children, and that was myself at that time in the 60s, we would invite other children, uh, both little children, middle-aged children, teenagers, and adults to participate in the limbo. Now, in the limbo, the goal is to get low enough to go under a bar to the other side. That was the goal of the limbo. And every Sunday on our block, uh, every summer on our block, it was our commitment that we would have our limbo parade. Two people would hold the limbo stick. All the people from the block, adults, middle-aged, little children, and teenagers who participated would line up, and we would get it on. And see, the two people holding the limbo stick, they would start out with the stick relatively high so everybody could get under it and go to the other side. Matter of fact, little kids would walk under it, but then they would lower the stick. And then the next time around to get under the stick, you had to bend your back to get up under the stick. But everybody still, for the most part, stayed in. But then they would lower the stick. And then the next time around to get under the limbo stick, you had to bend your back and bend your knees. And that's when a couple adults would begin to drop out. When it came to bending your back and bending your knees, a couple adults would drop out. But for the most part, we still had a pretty large cadre of people participating, but then they would lower the bar. Again, and this time around, to get underneath the limbo stick to the other side, you had to bend your back, you had to bend your knees and twist your neck to get up underneath the bar and get to the other side. That's when quite a few folks start dropping out, particularly adults. Particularly when adults had to bend their back, bend their knees, and twist their neck to get under the limbo stick. Many of the adults on our block would have to drop out because if you hit the bar, that means you're disqualified. You had to get under the bar without hitting the bar. And then they would drop the stick. So the next time going around to get under the bar to the other side, you had to Bend your back, bend your knees, twist your neck, and then squat like a duck. To be able to get under the bar. Teenagers started to drop out on that one. When you had to squat to get under, teenagers started to drop out. A lot of younger little kids, they were able to hang in there and keep it on. But we're getting it windowed down now because we want to crown the limbo champion of the block on Cedric Liverpool Street block. And then they would lower the bar. Now, there's only a few people left in the limbo parade. Now to get from this side to the other side under the limbo stick, you had to approach the bar, you had to bend your back, you had to bend your knees, you had to twist your neck, you had to squat, and then you had to shimmy. Anybody remember the shimmy out there? You had to shimmy up underneath the bar. And by that time, there would only be about two or three people left. And we would crown the person, the limbo champ, 
who is able to shimmy under the lowest, lowest portion of the bar. Sometimes there would be two or three people who were able to get under that lowest portion of the bar, but they couldn't get any lower. Neither of them could without hitting the bar. So we had to crown sometimes two or three people as the champions of the block. In the limbo. Let me just check. Did anybody out there, did anybody else out there do the limbo when you was a child? I see you tired growing up and remember the limbo. That's what we did. Well, today I have come to tell you that when Jesus Christ left his throne room in heaven to come down and see about you, Jesus did the limbo for you. Jesus did the spiritual limbo for you. Jesus left highness in his high place, his throne room in heaven, and came under the bar of God's humility and did the limbo for you. And then when Jesus took on human flesh, the bar of humility dropped, but Jesus went under that bar and he did the limbo for you. And when Jesus came to earth and was persecuted and spit on and talked about the bar of Humility, the bar of being humble dropped more, but Jesus, Jesus and his majesty cleared underneath that bar because Jesus did the limbo for you. Jesus got low. He was high, but he got low for you. So now the question is, just like the question and theme was on our block for the limbo parade, the heavenly question is, how, how, how low can you go? That was the theme of our limbo parade. And the question, how low can you go? Jesus, you're our pattern, Jesus. You're our model, Jesus. And for us to consider humility, we have to just plain out ask you, Jesus, how low can you go? Well, listen to this. Who being in the form or nature of God. Listen to this. He did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. That is to say Jesus was co-equal with God flat out. That was not robbery. That's who he was. But he made himself of no reputation taking on the nature of a bondservant. God did. And I think that's the right response. Jesus, how, how, we, we have to know, Jesus, how long can you go? And coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, watch that he humbled himself. And, then, and I get excited about this because he humbled himself for me. He's God, right? Almighty he is the one who is, the one who was, and is to come, the Almighty, but he humbled himself for not only me, but for you. Jesus, Jesus, how long can you go? He humbled himself and became obedient to death. The bar was low, lowered all the way to the obedience to the point of death. But watch this, not just death, but even the death of the cross. Do you feel that? Because the Holy Ghost wants you to. It puts it, the, the, the grammatic implication is even to the point of death. Not that he just died, but he died the most excruciating, the most punishing, the most painful death of that time period in that culture. See, he didn't, 
he wasn't uh, poisoned. That's one form of death. But he didn't drink uh, 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 poison. He didn't die in his sleep. That's another form of death. I've heard it said, maybe you've heard it said too, I've heard people say, when I go, I know I can't pick the methodology, I know I can't pick the method of how I go, but if I could, if I had my druthers, I would like to die in my sleep. I've heard people, oh, I sound like somebody else have heard that before. I, I, if I had my druthers, and I know I can't uh, predict this, I know I, I can't order this, but if I, if I had a preference, I would like to just lay down and go to bed one night. I would just like to doze off to sleep and just don't wake up again. But that wasn't the kind of death Jesus, the, 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 the Holy Spirit wants to make it plain that he suffered the most excruciating, the most painful, the most damaging death that was known to man, even the death of the cross. For you and for me. So Jesus did his part. But now, according to the text that's given to us, there's a question for you and for me. And since I've been dealing with this question all week long, laboring in the word, Racking it over in my own soul all this week long. I gotta put it on you. Now, now, since Jesus done his part, what about you? What about me? I know you can go high. I got that. I know you already are high because Jesus placed you there. When Jesus saved you and washed you and justified and sanctified you, he placed you in a high place. But when it comes to service, when it comes to your fellow man and fellow woman, when it comes to what you do in the kingdom, the question is, how low can you go? And when it comes to serving your fellow brother, your fellow sister, when it comes to meeting the needs of people that Jesus died for, he puts it back on you and me. How low can we go? Can you do the limbo for Jesus? Now, we did it on the block, we did it in the community, we did it and got our, our kudos in the community, but from a spiritual standpoint, in the kingdom of God, how low can you go? I've had to ask myself that question over and over and over again this week, so it's now it's time for me to put, have you share the burden with me. How low can we go? Jesus demonstrated for us, how low he can go, but he didn't leave us off the hook. Let this mind, watch this now, be in you. Uh-oh. We, 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 we come back to where the scripture always returns to, that is us. We can't leave it in the first century. We can't leave it in the cultural context of the Jews. God brought Jews and Gentiles together. That's all of us. So the question now becomes, let this mind be in you which was also in, come on, help me out, in Christ Jesus. That means we have to do the limbo from a spiritual standpoint. That means that we have to get ourselves out the way, and we have to be willing to serve somebody. And when we get ourselves out the way and, 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 and willing to serve somebody, that means sacrifice. That means humbling ourselves. 
That means putting our agenda, you might want to go to the mall on Saturday. Jesus might want you to go to the park and serve on Saturday. You might want to get a dress on Saturday. You might want to get shoes on Saturday. Jesus might want you to feed people on Saturday. And the question is, are we going to do what God is calling us to do? Or are we going to rest on our laws and our high tower and look down and talk about and criticize other people? How low can you go? How low can I go? And collectively, as a, as a body of believers at this church, how low can we go in terms of humility, in terms of service, in terms of caring for people less fortunate than we are, caring for people who don't look like we do, caring for people who don't have nowhere near the things that we have? Have we ever thought about maybe God has given us what we have, no matter what that is, maybe it is so that we can share that with somebody else? Now I'm about, this message is about being humble. Uh, you probably have figured that out. <laughs> this message is about humility. This message is about self-sacrifice. Because every time I read this passage, that's what Jesus did. Can you think about God? Jesus is God. Almighty, he left glory where angels bowed down before him prostrate. He left the throne room sitting by the seat of his father to come down to a nasty, wicked, sinful earth to let people spit on him. He's God Almighty! And to let people beat him, whip him, and nail him. But he did it for you. He did it for me. He did it for us. He humbled himself. He did the spiritual limbo. And cleared the bar. He's the champion of the universe. And now he's given us his word. And I'm about to tell you something right now. I'm about to tell you something right now that you're not going to learn in economics class in college. Or um, your children or grandchildren, perhaps, going to college isn't going to learn this in economic class. They're not going to learn this in business management class, and they probably won't learn it in world culture or world history. And that is, we have to learn to go low to help others go high. Oh, y'all didn't hear that. Let me say it again. We have to learn to go low to help others go high. I know that's counterintuitive. I know that's against how we, 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 we think naturally because we don't think like that naturally. We have to think like that supernaturally because it comes from this. Uh, we're not born with a humble, sacrificial nature. We're not born like that. You know how we're born? We're born selfish. Do any... Do we have any parents? I know we got some parents in there. I'm a parent. Do anybody remember how your baby needed changed? Yeah. <laughs> Do anybody remember when your baby had a knee, how they would cry out? And they didn't care. They did not care whether you had your hobby you were working on. They didn't care if you were working on your car, changing the oil. They didn't care if you were out in some club. If they had a need, you were going to know about it. Amen. Babies are about the big three. Me, 
myself and I. But they need to be because they're dependent at that stage of development on their parents. So we're not born to be sacrificial. We're not born to be humble in a mindset. You have to be reborn for that. You have to be born of the spirit for that. Do you remember what Jesus told uh, Nicodemus in John chapter 3? Nicodemus was a Pharisee, a ruler of the Jews. Check it out, John chapter 3. He said, Jesus, he said, nobody can do the things that you do and teach like you teach unless they have come from God. But do you remember, that's what Nicodemus said. I, he, and guess what? Because he was a ruler of the Jews, he came to Jesus by night. That's what John chapter 3 said. Anybody got any idea why he, he, he was a Pharisee, right? Anybody got an idea why he came to Jesus by night? I call him Nick at night. <laughs> Jesus, 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 you, you, you have to be a great teacher because nobody could do the things that you do unless they were sent by God. You remember how Jesus responded? Jesus said, unless a man is born again, Amen. he shall not even see the kingdom of God. Help me out, Jeanette. Do anybody remember that old school song called You Must Be Born Again? Uh, uh, in my sin I stand. So I asked my dear mother, Mama, how do I get to know the man? And Mama said, listen to me, child, you must be, you got to be born again. And that's the only way we get to kind of humble mindset to love others. The Bible says that we are to love others and that we are to put others even before ourselves. We See, that's countercultural because culture teaches us to focus on you, to focus on, yeah, me, 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 my name is Emmy, just give me. That's for the females. For the male, my name is Jimmy, just give me. If your name is Jimmy or your name is Emmy in real life, I'm not trying to offend you. I'm trying to illustrate a point. And that is, that is, is that we are born to try to uh, get everything for ourselves and we live in a society that teaches us to get everything for yourself. Build your own nest. Build your own this. Do your own that. Now, there's nothing wrong with being ambitious. There's nothing wrong with wanting success. There's nothing wrong with working and striving for what God would, would have you to have. But when you get to where you think God wants you to go, make sure you go back and help somebody else. Make sure you go back and lift somebody else. Make sure you go back and give to somebody else. Because have you ever thought one of the reasons why God allows us to get what we get and so we can help somebody else to be a blessing to somebody else. The natural man, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2, doesn't receive the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to him. So if I talk to the unsaved natural person about esteeming others better than themselves, about sacrificing their time to help other people. They said, man, get out of here. You're crazy, man. I ain't doing that. I got my own stuff to worry about. I got my own business to take care of. I got my own portfolio to work on. But see, the natural man don't receive the things of God. They're foolishness to him. 
Neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. But if you're born again, God has changed your disposition. God has allowed you to know that God can take you to places that you never imagined you can go without your help. And then can use you to help somebody else. If we follow, listen to this, if we follow the example of our Lord Jesus, we have to get low enough to wash somebody else's feet. Watch this now, I ain't done. And dry them. Y'all didn't hear that. Not just wash them. And you can't do that standing up. You have to get low to wash somebody's feet. But when you check out John 13, and I dare you to check it out, 3 through 5, not only did Jesus wash them, but he also dried them. You know what I thought about that, Naeem? You know what I thought about that? I said, now, if God humbled me enough to get down and wash somebody's dirty feet, because they had just been walking through the deserts of Palestine, and it's hot in Palestine, and do you know what the heat and sand and dirt do to your feet? That's when he washed. He didn't wash their feet right after they came out the bathhouse. He washed their feet after they've been walking in a hot Palestinian sun in the dirt. Here's what I thought, Naeem. If, I, if God humbled me to the point where I would wash some sweaty, dirty Palestinian feet, them bad boys would have to drip dry. <laughs> but not with Jesus. When you check out John 13, 3 through 5, Jesus took the towel. Not only did he wash them, but he took the towel, a servant's towel that he would go to with, and he wiped their feet and dried them also. Jesus, let me just ask you, have you found out in your life experience that Jesus is a complete God, that Jesus is a comprehensive God? Jesus don't only make a way for you, but Jesus make a way for you that you never thought you could get to. Jesus don't only help you to love people. Jesus help you to love your enemies who can't stand you, but you love them anyway. Jesus goes the extra mile all the time for you and for me, but today I want to know will you go the extra mile for somebody else? Amen. That's what I want to know. Will, will, will you get low? And don't let their feet drip dry. After you wash them, dry them. Now, I told you this message is about being humble. Let me ask you, are you mad about, about yet? Are you mad? Good. I got some spirit-filled people in here. I got another question for you. How do you feel about slavery? How does that word hit you? Is that repulsive to you? Well, no, no doubt it should or could be if we, since we have been enculturated by the American institution of slavery, the North Atlantic slave trade and its cruelty and its brutality, its sinfulness is enough to make us have a very disparaging thought of slavery. But I want to give you a, 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 a different portrait to put slavery in, a different picture frame, and that's uh, the biblical model of slavery. It's, it's, it's not the same as race slavery. 
or institutional slavery. Matter of fact, if you save, you are in slavery. You're a slave to Jesus. God is your master. Amen. He's your master. But I want to tell you right now, something you probably already know. If you know this, you got to say amen. How many of you know he's a mighty good master? <laughs> I say, he's a mighty good master. I don't want to leave, master. I don't want to leave you, master. Keep me with you, master. I don't want to leave your house. You a mighty good master. In fact, I want to stay in your house. I want to serve you. That's called a love slave. Yeah. Well, I want to tell you, we're slaves and servants of God, but we serve our master, Jesus Christ, through serving other people. That's how we serve him. We serve Jesus on earth by serving other people. Jesus is in heaven bodily. Well, how do you serve him? Your master. You serve your master by serving people. You've heard me say it before. We can do no more for Jesus than what we do for each other. Do I need to say that again or do you got it? What was that? Ah! That's like saying throwing a bone to a dog and saying sickle, pastor. Well, let me tell you, Jesus said, I was hungry. I'm going to get to it now. I was hungry, and you fed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. I was sick, and you came to see about me. When did we come to see you in prison, put clothes on your back, and feed you? When you did it to the least of them, my brothers, you did it unto me. Naive. do no more for Jesus than what we do for one another. Thank you for the children in the sanctuary. Thank you for coming in. Have a seat. Enjoy. Remember, look at verse 6 with me. I know you've been taught to keep your Bibles open, so you got to look at verse 6. I don't want you to think this is Cooper. You got verse 6 hewed up? Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery with God to be equal with God, but watch this, made himself no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant. I want you to focus on that word. God himself took the nature of a bond servant. In the Greek language, the word that's translated into English as bond servant in the Greek language is a word doulos. Doulos literally means a slave. I want you to think about that for a moment. Jesus is God, almighty, all by himself. Jesus became doulos, a slave, a slave. Now that's getting low. When you're God, see, we don't want to be a slave for anybody, and we're human. We're sinners. We're whack. We're jacked, and we still don't want to be a slave to nobody. And we're whack. Jesus is God. He became doulos, literally a slave. That's why you have Matthew uh, 20, 28 in the book. You can look it up. I can quote it. Just as Jesus has said, I did not come to be served, but I come to serve and to be a ransom 
and to give my life a ransom for many. Jesus, uh, Matthew 20 and 28. Will you become a slave? God did. He's God. I tell you my view on it. If slavery is good enough for Jesus, if slavery is good enough for me, but I got news for you. If slavery is good enough for Jesus, slavery is good enough for you. Thank you, Jesus. That's why John 13 is in the book. You remember John 13, right? 15 through 17. You remember that, right? I quoted from John 13 when I talked about Jesus washing feet. But this isn't only for Jesus to do. John 13, 15 says, If I then be your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. And I have given you an example that you should go, that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Maybe one of the reasons that sometimes we feel like we're not blessed, maybe we're not doing the word. Maybe we're hearing the word, but not doing. He said, blessed are you if you do them. That includes getting low and washing somebody's feet. You can't do that standing up. Last point. Then we're done. We get the benediction. As I want you to think about this. I've always taught this. Grammar is very important in Bible interpretation. Right, Wednesday Bible students? You hear this all the time. Grammar is very important in Bible interpretation. I want to give you a word that most of you probably already know. Uh, um, we'll, we'll, we'll do a little word vocabulary here. Word wealth. The word is antecedent. Antecedent. A-N-T-E-C-E-D-E-N-T. Antecedent, it means what goes before. The antecedent to you being an adult is you first were a child. That was the antecedent to you being an adult. Antecedent to you being saved is you were born unsaved. That came first. Antecedent is what comes first. When you read and study the scripture, the antecedent to exaltation, triumph, and victory is humility. But nobody wants to hear that. What comes before victory, what comes before exaltation is humble, being humble. Humility. We saw Jesus doing the spiritual limbo coming every time God dropped the bar of humility, Jesus cleared it. But watch this. Therefore, somebody say therefore. God has also highly exalted him because Jesus was willing and did get low for you. Jesus is willing and did get low for me. Watch this, a therefore. What is therefore, therefore? Because Jesus left the throne room in heaven 
put on human flesh. That's going low for God to put on human flesh. Jesus left the throne room of heaven and let men spit on him. That's going lower. Jesus left the throne room of heaven and let people beat on him, curse him, persecute him, call him everything except the son of God. And then they nailed him to a cross. But that is the antecedent to his exaltation because therefore is in the text. God also highly exalted him and given him not a name but the name. Somebody say the name. Which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus. Somebody give that name a praise. That at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is God to the glory, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God because Jesus from a mediatorial perspective was willing to go low for you, therefore God exalted him. I say all of that to say when you do the limbo for Jesus, baby, you're not doing the limbo for you to always stay earthbound. You're doing a limbo because God is going to highly exalt you one day. God is going to take you from your desolate place return you to your high place in Christ Jesus because humility always precedes exaltation humility comes before exaltation Jesus lifts a target group how many of you know Jesus is a weightlifter? yes he is but he only lifts a target group the lowly. Check it out in scripture. You can check out James 1-9, 1, uh, 1, 1 Peter 5-6, Luke 1-52. Let those who are lowly exalt glory in their exaltation. That's James 1-9. He only lifts the lowly because if, you are, if you're already high, God isn't going to lift you. Let me say it. If you're already high, God is, going, is not going to lift you. You're already high. You're too light. You're too atmospheric. God likes lifting heavy stuff. That's those who are burdened, those who are downtrodden, those who are lowly. That's who God lifts. He's heavy. Do you know the Hebrew word for glory is kavod? Do you know what kavod means? That means heavy. That's what God is. That's the Hebrew word kavod for glory. It means he's heavy. He don't mess with light. If you're too already high, you're too light for him. I'm glad I was one of those low heavy. Uh, I, I was burdened. He, he lifts the lowly. And God, don't forget, God went low when he made you. And when he made me, when he made us, God went low. According to Genesis 2-7, when God made you, he scooped up dirt. Baby, that's low. Check it. Genesis 2-7. He didn't reach up in the stars to configurate you. He went down and scooped up some dirt. And see, we want to pump ourselves up. We want to make people think that we're high and mighty. We want people to think that we're somebody, capital S, baby, in your substance, you're dirt. 
And if you're apart from Jesus, you're still dirty. Because the only thing that can wash dirt from a spiritual perspective is the blood of Jesus. And if you haven't come through the blood of Jesus, you're still dirty in your trespasses and in your sins. God went low. When he formed you, God went low when he made you. But guess what, baby? The story ain't told because God went high when he remade you. Listen to what Ephesians 2, 8, uh, chapter 2, verses 4 and, 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 and 5 says. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus uh, by his grace which has been given to us God took us from a low place and placed us in a high place because of his love for us and I want to close this message by saying Jesus is coming back low again did you know that Jesus is coming back low again but this time Jesus is not coming back low to be our savior Jesus is coming back low to be our elevator how many of you know that in Christ Jesus, you have an elevator coming back to pick you up again? Jesus will take us up to the very top floor, which is the third heaven. You can check that out in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and, 7, uh, 16 and 17. Earth is low, but earth is God's runway to the heavenlies. God's runway is one way. And that one-way runway is called Jesus. And Jesus is coming back to his runway for there the Lord himself shall descend with a shout. The voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And those of us who remain shall be caught up with the Lord to meet them in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Is that okay with you? Is that okay by you? But I want to close by saying that Cooper didn't make that up. It's inscripturated. Check it out in 1 Thessalonians 4.16. It says the Lord himself shall descend with a shout. He's not coming back quietly. He's going to descend with a shout. Did you hear that, Jeanette? You know my old motto, don't you? If shouting is good enough for Jesus, <laughs> then shouting is good enough for me. That's why every once in a while I got to plant my feet. I got to lift my hands and I got to lift my head because I found out that Jesus is coming back not quietly but with a shout. And if shouting is good enough for Jesus, I'm going to raise my voice every now and then and say, thank you, Jesus, for washing me in your blood. Thank you, Jesus, for cleansing me of my sins. Thank you, Jesus, for taking me out of a horrible pit and placing me in heavenly places. Thank you, Jesus, for taking me from a dark place and taking me into your marvelous light. Thank you, Jesus, for taking me from a sinner and making me a saint. Thank you, Jesus, for taking me from waste places and putting me into heavenly places. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Glory. Yeah. Somebody said he's worthy. I agree with that. <laughs> I agree with that assessment. Jesus is worthy. I say Jesus is worthy. Thank you, God. 
Thank you, Jesus. If shouting is good enough for Jesus, shouting should be good enough for you. It's certainly good enough for me. <laughs> Glory! Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, he is worthy. Isn't he worthy? Have you ever been scared to get loud? <laughs> Somebody said, oh. Uh, the only reason why I asked that is there was a time in my, in my early Christian experience where I, I was kind of scared to get loud. <laughs> I would think people, you know, I was self-conscious. But I found out not to think about me. And I found out that Jesus is coming back with a shout. <laughs> I found out in the Word that there's plenty of places where the Bible speaks of the utilization of a loud voice. You know what a loud voice is? That's a shout. <laughs> I just give it to you in our vernacular. A loud voice is not, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Now, that's, that's a voice, but that's not a loud voice. A loud voice is, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. So you know what? I'm not scared anymore. I just break loose. I might break loose with a shout at any moment. <laughs> Glory. I had to I had to get to that place though. Would you join me on your feet?